Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. It's Monday. That means we're talking morning dunk column. That means we're talking NBA draft. That means Tyler Rucker is joining me to give his thoughts on some prospects. Not just any thoughts, though. This is a special episode because... If you read my morning dunk column over at NoSealingsNBA.com, you know that I talked about my guys. And what I mean by my guys is there's an expression every single year when it comes to draft time that maybe they're not the best prospects at the top of the draft. Maybe they're not the worst prospects, but they're guys who we just think at the end of the day are going to succeed for one reason or another. And we're passionate about the case we can make for those guys. So I wrote about seven players over on the Substack that released this morning. And Tyler and I thought it would be fun because I'm actually going to be on the No Ceilings podcast. We're going to record that one tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to listen to both of them. We'll do part one over here on Draft Deeper, and part two will be over at No Ceilings. So make sure you're subscribed to both podcast feeds. Make sure you're listening to both episodes because this is a guest-style episode of the sense that I want Tyler to give me his guys. And then over on No Ceilings, I'm going to give Tyler my guys. And that's exactly how we're going to format this. And over the course of the the rest of the draft cycle, I'm going to be having everybody on from No Ceilings to sort of interview them and, and allow them to give me their guys and make their cases for who they're passionate about. So it's only fitting that Mr. Rucker, who's been my co-host for so many episodes, this cycle is the first one to do that. So without further ado, Tyler... How you doing, my friend? Are you you excited for this? Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Um, shout out to Kevin as well. It's his birthday, so happy birthday, Kevin! Happy well, birthday, you know. Kevin! Um, but no, Nathan, I'm I'm pumped to be back. I think you know me and you are definitely getting hyped up for the next couple of months. It's going to be exciting, and um, you know my co-host on No Ceilings podcast, Mr. Metcalf's on vacation, so I figured what better way let's let's get a little crazy. And then you had the idea of making it kind of like a almost like a joint little venture with draft deeper and no ceilings. And I was like, yes, I love it. So um, you, you wrote a great column. What a surprise. Another great <laughs> column by Nathan for the morning dunk. And I liked all your picks. Um, I'm excited to do the no ceilings plot with you kind of break it up. Each of those prospects, I got a lot to talk about too. So it's going to be fun, but um, I'm excited to do this one. Uh, I'm, I'm really thinking that there's going to be some really good guys to talk about that are probably going to intrigue you. And like you said, it's always fun in every draft class. Um, when you're an evaluator, you, you fall in love, you fall in love with some guys and it's hard to explain, but you just, everyone sees different guys that they're, they're believing in and, you know, they don't know how to say it, but they just, when they're watching, they're just like, yep, that's my guy. Everyone's got different, my guys. And, and, I think I'm going to have some different ones this year than a lot of guys that are no ceilings crew. Um, I know some some guys on our team definitely have some some wild ones, but that's the fun about this. I mean, I've, I've joked in your previous Draft Deeper episodes with you. I feel like we're only, uh, time is only a little bit of a, away from us being in fights on podcasts about some of these passionate guys that we're getting really close to having a good feel for the, for the evaluation process. So yeah, excited to we're, be here again. 
we're, we're going to be going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yes. Like, like two two months from now, I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to be whacked out on draft film. The comfort food's going to be flying in every single night as I'm sitting there for hours on end, just studying yeah. guys and going back and forth and all the mental warfare. I already gave my girlfriend the the, the warning. This is going to be the first draft cycle that she's with me for it. So I'm like, you're, you have to buckle up. This is going to be a wild three months. I mean, we're, we're in the, we're in the thick of it, man. This is conference tournament week. We got selection Sunday coming up. Like we're in it now. And once the tournament's over, then we get into, we got to start reviewing everything, finalizing things. Then we get into the pre-draft workouts. Then players are going to start pulling their names and withdrawing from the draft. We're going to have to scramble the jets and it's going to be wild, but you and I both know that's how it is every single year. And that's, that's, that's why we love it. Yeah. And and you know, it's funny you said that I've literally been doing the same thing with my lady. I I keep slowly over the last two months. I was just like, Hey, I'm just giving you a heads up when March comes around. uh, Things are going to get a little crazy. So if you ever want to go on any vacations or go do anything like pick your spots right now. And, March is here, and I've quietly warned her. Uh, okay, it, it's time. It's, it's kind of like, it's kinda like she's, she's she's like, wow, you're spending all this time with me. And yeah. You're like, yeah, you better appreciate it. Yeah, you better because it. it's about to run out fast. And, and now she's like, okay, I get it. And so yeah, it, it's it's going to be crazy with all these events got coming up for you know getting the last look at guys live in games, and then all of a sudden we got the combine, and like you said, the the whole correct pre-draft process of you know just workouts and everything like that it it's going to be a wild time around here and everything that we got going on with no ceilings i'm very pumped about it so yeah to, I'm, to I'm all the ladies at no ceilings shout yes. out to all the ladies at no ceilings the they're real mvps thank you yeah they're gonna have to put up a lot um but so let's get into this a little bit yeah. before we start i do want to say that look rugger's gonna know who i'm talking about over at the No Ceilings pod because I wrote about my guys. He won't know who I'm choosing to talk about on the podcast, but he knows the ballpark of of where I'm going to be going, right? I wanted to be surprised by Mr. Rutgers, guys. I did not ask him for a list in advance. I don't have a fancy schmancy Google Doc prepped with a whole bunch of stats like I usually do. I'd be looking things up on the fly. I'm going to be asking questions on the fly. But that's the whole point of this. I don't want to know going in. I want... I want the full experience of who his guys are and I want him to make a case and I want to have to respond to that case on the fly. And and we're going to have some open dialogue. We're going to talk about a few guys. That's exactly how we want to do this. So let's do it, man. You ready to give me your first guy? Who, who's yeah. your first guy? I'm ready to give you my, my list of guys. Um, I got a couple good ones, a couple heavy hitters, and then I got a little bit of an out, you know, outside the box one. Cause I like to, to mix it up, especially with our listeners and they don't want to hear the same names all the time, but I loved your list. Um, I'm really excited to do that. Like I said before, because there's some good ones. I'm excited to see who you pick because I got a lot of thoughts about those guys too. That was a really good slate, but um, you know, I'm going to start with a guy that is going to be a top 10 pick. And I okay. think he's going to get a little higher or he deserves to get a little higher than he might end up. And I know once I say this name, you're going to be like, of course, but um, I'm, I'm one of my guys that I'm really all in on now is Benedict Matherin of Arizona. Wow. See, that's, I, 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 I swore. I thought you're coming at me with Keegan Murray. No, no, I, no, I, no. Dude, well, I thought is, that's where you're going to go. He is going to be mentioned in a little bit. So let's start okay. with, with Benedict first, but, um, 
you know, for everyone that saw your list, like I, the big boy that you mentioned, I very much love. Um, and then there's also some other guys there that are very, very high on my list, but I think Matherin's the one not getting enough attention. And I don't know if it's because we're so obsessed with guys like Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivy that maybe he's just hasn't been the buzzing name throughout the year. If you know what I'm trying to say, I, I want you to talk about that specifically though, because I made a tweet about this uh, mm-hmm. about like a week ago. Yeah. And I talked about how Benedict Matherin feels undervalued at this point. And, and somebody commented on the tweet and they said, how is he undervalued? I see him in the majority of mocks in like top 10 or like late lottery. Like he's, he's not being mocked anywhere outside the lottery. How is he not getting enough tension? And my counter to that was, do you see anybody going out of their way to talk about him? Do you see anybody going out of their way to write about him like you just did for No Ceilings? Like, how much of that type of content solely around him have you seen? Or is it just people talking about Arizona basketball? Or maybe they're running through the top 10. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, Benedict Mather. Like, he's, he's kind of there by default, whether that's a, a product of this draft class or like, like you and I would both agree that. Benedict Mathrin deserves to be there. And I think that's really what you're about to touch on is that there's not enough conversation around why he deserves to be there. He's kind of just an afterthought, like, yeah, he's going to be in the top 10 when it's all said and done. Yeah. You know, I think it, it was, it might've been you that me and you were just kind of talking back and forth um, off the podcast one day. I, I think I was like, I think he's underrated. And and this is me saying like, I think I have Matherin around, you know, seven or eight right now. And and I still feel like he might be a little bit underrated, which what you're saying is spot on. I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, and I'm not just putting this out like, oh, you guys are wrong. I'm just saying, I think the the vibe with him, I think this is happening with a lot of guys in this class is everyone's like, oh, he's in that eight to 10 range. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, why can't he be higher? Like, what's, are, are we scared to jump all in? Is it? Is there something that everyone's not intrigued by? Because I've heard some people say he's undersized. And I'm like, well, you know, he's around 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, um, with a good frame. And he's also playing alongside a very big Arizona team. I mean, Dale and Terry's probably going to be a guard for the next year's class, 6'7". Um, their starting bigs are around 7'1", and 6'11". They've got size there. They, they've got some, some serious length. And I've just been very impressed with the the flashes of upside that Matherin's shown throughout the year. I think he's taken developments in so many aspects of his game. Can um, I make a quick comment about Yeah, of course. Petey like Webb put out a tweet today that I thought was hilarious. And I don't know if I'm the only one who chuckled at it, but he put out a poll of kind of like player A through D and he put out their stat lines and he's like, choose one of the players. And he put, one of them was Benedict Matherin freshman year mm-hmm. and then the other one the last one was benedict matherin sophomore year and benedict matherin freshman year was six six and benedict matherin sophomore year was six seven i don't know if he actually grew that inch i don't know i i had a, i had a good laugh about that one i'm like i think pd webb knows what he's doing with that tweet but, but anyway, yeah no but that that's i love that i love the uh the polls that don't tell you what player it is or stuff he's just like you have to figure it out like yes. i think that's great um but I've I've just he came into this year, returned to Arizona, like build some buzz um, after showing some promise as a freshman, as like a, a sharp shooter from outside. Had a really strong uh, summer with FIBA with Team Canada. 
And everyone was like, oh, you know, he's probably going to be a late lottery guy, um, especially if he can show some more offensive versatility. And, and he's shown that and more. He's shown us some playmaking upside. Um, if you go watch that USC game, you'll see plenty of it. Um, if you watch him closely throughout the whole year, like I've seen plenty of it. There's, there's definitely some vision and feel and understanding. And I think now he's, he's playing with a better feel for the game. Like he's slowing down, playing with some pace, but he can also get after it on the boards. Um, he loves to mix it up inside. Like he gets a lot of effort buckets where it's just him coming weak side to go in and, and battle with the trees and he, and he gets offensive boards, goes right back up. He's explosive. Um, I think there's going to need some fundamental work defensively, but I think there's a lot more upside than people realize. Like, I think he can, he can get after it. Um, and he can be a pest. If you go watch that Illinois game, he's picking up guys and forcing turnovers just because he's all in their grill. Yep. So I just think there's a lot of serious tools that, I think the conversation to get him towards, you know, even a top six or seven pick should really be serious. Um, I think he's shown throughout the year that he has that talent, that consistency. Um, you know, I looked at his last 10 games, he's averaging 18.9 points, 4.9 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1.2 steals, um, 49.2% from the field, 42.6% from three. Um, just under 80% from the free throw line. So like he's been putting up consistent numbers all year, but I think it's, we've been falling in love with Johnny Davis. Then it was Jaden Ivey. Then it was Jabari Smith. And I don't know if it's the West coast basketball time. I don't know if people haven't been able to watch him, but you know, Arizona has been rolling this year. They look like a team that could potentially win it. Benedict Matherin has been a major reason why. And, and I think he could, continue to buzz um if in if arizona can make a deep run like they're expected to i mean he's gonna have so many eyes on him yep in the tournament and and i would agree with you i do fully expect that team to make a ginormous run um they are fully loaded from top to bottom as you mentioned it is the land of giants with some of those lineups like really it's it's kurt Kreisa and then everybody else is like six six and taller Mm -hmm. And it's not just guys like Mather and you have, I mean, yeah, you can swap Dale and Terry in there. You have on the front line, you have Coloco and Tabellis, and they even have some, some longer guards that they can throw out there as well. Some guys who come in off the bench, like they are a very impressive team and he's kind of been at the center of it all year long. Now I think as the year has gone on in Pac-12 play, they've gotten much better chemistry with one another. They've shared the ball a lot more. And it's kind of been a more by committee style offense than it's been in the first half of the year. Maybe that's been a reason that's contributed to Matherin being talked about a little less because in the first half of the year, before Tubelis really started emerging for that team, as Coloco was really starting to break out of his shell, before Kirk Kreese started getting hot from, from three point range and everywhere else on the floor, like Matherin was the main hero for that team and he was putting up big numbers in big games. Like I remember talking about him on a draft deeper podcast where he was rattling off like 25 plus point performances, like they're nothing. And that's the type of score that I think if you're going to buy into him being able to produce like that at the NBA level, that's when you can start selling yourself in, in the top half of the lottery versus more towards the bottom half of the lottery. Now 
I will give a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm That's fine. Be recording my big board 4.0 podcast on Wednesday, but I sat down. I've rewent through my top 60. I currently have Matherin sitting in nine. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'll give you the names I have ahead of him. Chet, Jabari, Paolo, Jade, and Ivy. We know that. Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin, Keegan Murray. I actually did move Jalen Duran to, to the eighth spot. And wow. That, Here we go. It's happening, isn't it? That's it's a little fiery. Some people listen to this podcast. I've had Duran kind of in that late lottery range for a while, but I flip on the tape of him and not to make this podcast segment about him, but I flip on his tape, what he's done over his last few games, specifically I'm wearing my temple owl sweatshirt here. Shout shout out to to my school temple, but I flipped on that game. Temple's not an easy team to go and and get buckets against because they have so many guys who are like between six, five and six, eight. They play that defensive style that, that Texas Tech likes to play, that, that teams of similar size like to play. They just have so many guys. They have so many different options they can throw at somebody like Duran. And Duran, to his credit, he, he did almost whatever he wanted to against every single person they threw at him. And he's been doing that over the last like two to three weeks. So when you combine that along with what we know about his physical tools, his athleticism, what his upside could be, as a special five, I think I, I put it back in that eight spot and I'm, I'm more willing today to roll the dice on him than some of the other guys in, in the back end of the lottery. But I have Matherin right there at nine. Where does he currently sit for you? I, I'm not making you like rip your whole big board apart, but like, no, where, no, 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 it's fine. Where um, was he last time at least? I had him. I've had him around. I had him at eight. Um, okay. I still have him there, but I'm having a a, a pretty big heart to heart about moving him up one spot. Because when I get close to feeling pretty good about guys, it, it is a war to switch one spot. Because then I'm like, okay, am I really going to do this? Because it, it, I don't like going back. I don't like swapping and then the next day being like, okay, I'm going to move it back. Like I, I'm like, no, stick to it for a little bit, but. It, it's definitely when you get to that range, if you're climbing up, it's, it's a, it's a big deal because there's, that's the top seven, like those names you just rattled off. There's some serious talent in those names. I don't, I don't um, think that, that, that top seven's not changing for me. I, I, like, I'm right there with it. you. So, so that's where I'm at. Um, I've got AJ seven. So that there's my battle. I, my, sure. my battle is, how much do I really believe in my guy? And, and it's going to be a good battle, but you know I'm not ready to switch any of those guys up too much yet because I'm I'm just starting my extremely deep dive uh, process, and I think I I'm just finishing up on Paulo, so that'll be fun. And Jabari's next, but it, I I get it. Um, you got me all messed up with the Duran stuff now because. He's he's on my next coming list, and then I feel like I'm the only guy who's been slow to come around on him. Oh no no no! I'm still I'm still slow. Um, Metcalf, I think, still slow, but I I, I'm preparing for anarchy with that film session because it's. I I know know Corey's been talking in your ear for the last few months. Like, oh yeah, Rucker, hey Rucker, come on, come on, just just move him up. He he texts me like five a.m. He's like, what do you you know, Duran, you know. (laughs) <laughs> he, he'd be pretty good and i'm like no leave me alone stop so he's definitely uh he's definitely bought as much stock as he possibly can but i'm excited to watch all these guys you know i i joked with you before we hit record like 
feel like I'm at 20% of where I want to be. And, and when I get to 80%, I'm probably going to be fighting our whole no ceilings crew on podcasts. So it's going to be great. I'm excited about it, but, um, yeah, j- just, you know, Matherin, I, I really do think I understand everyone. If they have him in that eight to 10 range, I think he's a top 10 pick hundred percent. I, I think absolutely deserves to be it. If he goes eight or nine, I think that's a great get for whatever yep. team he goes to because, you know, he really, he's done a little bit of everything this year. Um, he's shown some stretches of games where he's been a better distributor. He's shown some stretches of games where he's been an attacker. Um, if you go watch some of his film, like he he gets through the lane and the lane's clogged when he slithers to the basket. Like he can... Yeah. He can navigate traffic. He gets downhill. I, I just think this could be a really good addition for that next NBA team where it's an offensive force. Because like you hinted on earlier, Nathan, he had a stretch of notable games throughout the year where he was averaging over 20 a game like a number of times. So like he can get hot and stay there for a while. Um, but I, I'm just a big fan. Um, I went back and forth with a couple of guys higher on my big board, but I just... I love him. I, I, I really do. Every time I watch him, I'm more intrigued and I'm more sold that this is just going to be a, a guy that plays a really long time at the NBA level. So why, why has he kind of stayed there for you though? Like I, I can, I can answer for myself. I think the reason why I haven't been able to come around with maybe having him higher than what I do right now is I, at some point, you kind of have to come back to yourself and then check yourself a little bit when you're talking about the top half of the lottery. Like there's a certain point to where you, you need to try to star hunt as long as possible. Right. I think for me, I've gotten to the point where that top six for me, I can talk myself into them being stars or having legitimate star potential. Um, you're a little bit higher on Keegan than I am which is fine. Like I, I still consider myself to be really high on Keegan, even though I have him at seven, but that that's kind of like the cutoff point for me in terms of seeing like star potential. Right. Like I, I think once we get past like AJ Griffin and Johnny Davis, we're more at like the complimentary player level as to what I would make a, a more sure bet on this player being in the NBA. I don't see that that next year for for Mather. Not that he hasn't been able to get buckets in college. I don't know if I trust handle as much. I don't know if I trust his ability to actually separate and nail a shot off the bounce. Not that he can't slither his way to the basket, finish inside, do all that. But we're talking about like creating something, go to a step back off the dribble. Do you actually trust the jump shot? I don't know if I trust it in volume at the NBA level against NBA level defenders. Um, that's really what, what, what gives me cause to pause about his overall game. I think the other point, which I do agree with you, I think he's answered to an extent, is the passing. A lot of people didn't know if he could be a passer off of a live dribble, keep the ball moving, not necessarily be a bull in a china shop and kind of just crash into the defense and then hope that something happened. I mean, you look at pick and rolls, including passes, six to seven percentile isolations including passes 55th percentile i think those numbers alone answer those questions for you um but but yeah it's really about how high level of a shot creator is he does that would that give him the upside as much as some of the other guys if you were to reach that point to where i think like like a johnny davis or like an aj griffin is right now for example where are you at on that you know the those guys, I understand like the the excitement when they're shot creation. Like I, I get it; they're special. Um, 
I'm probably like, if you had made me answer right this second, I'd probably be like, I think there's seven guys that I'm probably saying have star, like legit star contribution, like upside. And Matherin's probably kicking down that fence, right, at eight um, for me. But I do think the growth from one year um, has really been notable. And, and, and he is still really young, too. Yes, like, as a he, sophomore, he, like, just turned 19, right? He's Yeah, he's going to turn 20, um, I think, right before the draft. So I still think there's – like, he's shown enough – development and the versatility offensively when it comes to like shot creation. Cause we, we came into this year, we wanted to see if he could create more off the bounce, get his shot in more ways. He's shown some, some pull-up game. He's shown some nice touch on his floaters on attacking the lane. Um, you know, that, that clip everyone's going to see against Tennessee he had that like sidestep step back for a three. That was beautiful. We we're like, okay, if he has that. So that development from his freshman year kind of gives me the idea that, it's not a finished product yet. There's still some levels to be found. Now, I'm not trying to say he can't be a star, but I would say I just still think of him as like a high-level prospect where it's like, okay, he might be right on that fence of reaching that potential like stardom. Like, I don't see him coming in the NBA and being like, every team's going to say, hey, here's the ball, go get us buckets right away. I think he could turn into a heck of an asset for a team. Like, that's a really... Um, I'm not saying he plays the game this way, but I'm saying like if he was a Chris Middleton, like a number two guy that was really solid and could be a three-level scorer and stretch the floor and get hot and take over a game and when he's rolling like that type of impact. Um, I, I just see that type of game from Matherin. I, I really do think there's also just a serious defensive weapon that's going to need some crafting and needs to figure it all out. But I I've seen plenty of flashes this year to suggest he can definitely be that. So, and we're talking about a guy that could go eight. And I think people get disappointed where it's like, Oh, you went eight. And it's like, no, you could get a heck of a player at eight. It, it, you know, you don't need to just always be swinging for the fences, but yeah, to answer your question, I think right now, if you ask me, I think there's, there's probably seven guys that, that really have uh, the swing to take for star. Um, it could be eight with Jalen Duren, um, depending on what I watch and evaluate. And I know some people think that he has star upside, but um, I definitely think what you're saying, like those seven guys you've mentioned, um, they're definitely worth the swing. They definitely have tools to be legit stars at the next level. Do do you consider? I, I know he was just an all star this past mm-hmm. season, and I've I've mentioned this comparison to you before on another podcast. Do you consider Andrew Wiggins a star? Um, no. At the end of the day, see that's because th- there's I'm a sorry. lot of sh- <laughs> there's a lot of shades of Andrew Wiggins in, in, in Benedict Matherin on Matherin's best nights. There's a lot of shades of what Wiggins is doing right now yeah but but wiggins was never the shooter that's the thing it it, is now we're getting a dangerous shooter like wiggins was a phenomenal athlete that offered the potential to turn into a good shooter what he was doing this i'm I'm, right i'm talking about wiggins now i'm not talking about Wiggins back coming out of kansas wiggins now has become a pretty damn good shooter 
And he's he's certainly grown leaps and bounds compared to where he was initially coming out of Kansas. Yeah, but I, I, that's what I'm even seeing more is just like Matherin now can light it up from five feet beyond the arc. I mean, he's pulling transition threes from yeah. NBA range and switching like on regular basis. So I just think in that sense, like like Wiggins, I would agree with you. I don't I don't know if I fully consider Wiggins to be a star. He's mm-hmm. one of the best complimentary wings I think we have in the league, which is a big reason why he was able to get that all-star nod because he's been so consistent for that team all year and he's really stepped up. But when we talk about complimentary players, right, like guys who maybe for stretches, they can be like the number one shot getter out there. Like let's say like 48 minutes a night, he's the number one guy. So he's putting up like, I don't know, five, five to six shots within those 48 minutes. And then – when he's on the floor with the other better players on his team, he's serving a much more laid back complimentary catch and shoot cut transition style of role. And that that's kind of what I see for Matherin. Um, but I mean, the top end to that player though, like you're, you're still knocking on the door of star, which I right. think is kind of, that, that's kind of been your point with this yes. conversation the whole time. Like Matherin's really close. And like, if you can get a player like that, in the top 10, like that's right. Right. When you're done, like quote unquote star hunting, that's exactly the type of player that, that you should be looking at. And there are other, there are other players later in the lottery who we can talk about who have sort up boards, who could have the, the cell is more intriguing, like a Jeremy Sohan, for example, or, or whatever the case may be. But Matherin just seems like he's been pretty damn consistent all year long. And I think that consistency has led his case to be a little ho-hum because he might not have that upper tier, like you want the ball in his hands every single possession down the floor. He might not have that in his game, but at the same time, if you can get somebody who you can just trust to, to make things happen, to hustle, to fight hard, to want to make things happen on the defensive end, you mentioned offensive rebounds and putbacks is in the 100 percentile. We know he can cut to the basket. We know he can hit open spot up threes. Like, this seems like a really safe player to take in the top 10. I think sometimes safe just – falls out of the conversation a little bit. People don't want to talk about safe. People want to talk about right. box ops. That's why AJ Griffin has risen so high back up draft boards where he probably should have been this whole time. I, I was literally going down this exact same path. That's why I love talking draft with you so much, Nathan. Like I, I think it's so fun for fan bases to go after stars, a, a dream about stars, but stars like hunting stars can be scary and dangerous. So I'm just saying like Matherin might be right outside that fence where it's something like you're saying, he might be a little bit safer. Um, you know, it, it's, this is always funny to me too, is we did a mock draft and the me, you and Metcalf for no ceilings. And I feel like we got to, I think it was eight or nine and we gave the Knicks Matherin. And I was just like, man, that would be such a good fit. And then I think I Tom think the, Thibodeau would be ecstatic to get uh, some, like, let's say Matherin's able to put up like 14, 15 points per game in his rookie year and really like out, like I think a reasonable expectation for points per game would probably be around like that 10, 11 mark. Yeah. Let's say he, let's say he blows by his expectation and puts up like 14, 15 points per game on like relatively decent shooting splits for a rookie. I think Tom Thibodeau would be ecstatic to bring somebody yeah. like him in, especially since as you pointed out, he could still have room to grow because he's so young. Yeah. And the, I completely agree. And, and I also know Nick fans, like if anyone's listening and they're like, we need a point guard. And I was like, I get that. But Matherin, like, Someone commented and was like, we have Quentin Grimes. We don't need Matherin. And I was like, buddy, 
I love Quentin Grimes, but I love him too, is a but... whole different animal. Like that would be a heck of a pick at nine. Um, I think that's where it was. And I was like, and I, this is coming from someone that I, I love Quentin Grimes as a prospect. I still love him as an NBA player, but like you can never have enough good wings. And Matherin could be a starter for a very long time for a team like that, where, you know, RJ Barrett's going to be the guy, um, whoever they keep grooming, Matherin could be a great, you know, spot up guy like that. He's been, I feel like he's been dangerous with catch and shoot opportunities this year. Like, I feel like that's his, his groove is he can do a lot of damage away from the ball. So that's what I'm saying where you're hinting to Nathan is he might not be the, the sexy swing for a star, but he also might be a like damn good basketball player for your franchise for a long time that you quickly come around to being like, okay, we don't want this guy going anywhere. We, he needs to be here forever. I mean, that that's just the type of talent and ability I think he has in his game. And I, I really do think he's going to be, one of these guys that we look back and, you know, if he goes ninth, we might be like, man, that was a nice pick. Like, why didn't he go earlier? And we, I mean, it always happens, but it's, there's some sexy star power in the top seven, six guys. And, and I get it. But I also think when you're picking outside the top five, you need to be more open to the ideas of going for guys that are going to maybe not be the stars, but they're going to help you not be picking fifth next year. They're going to help you get out of the lottery. So um, and I just think Matherin is going to be one of those guys. That's, that's why I've, I've loved watching him. I, I think there's still a lot of good basketball waiting to be under like undiscovered. Um, and yeah, that that's my guy. And and I could talk about him all day if you want. If we want to just do this only about Matherin, like let me know. <laughs> no, I I think we did get enough words in on him, and you and I are, are pretty much in full agreement on him. The last thing I'll say is really the only play type that he's struggled in this year. Ooh, I want to know this. Yeah, I want to know this. Is in isolation, but he's only registered 11 possessions that they've categorized as isolation. He's registered the most possessions in transitions, in pick and roll scoring as the ball handler, and spot ups. And he rates out good to excellent in, in those three categories. So. Can can I ask a question on the spot and it'll potentially make me look dumb? What does he catch and shoot? So catch and shoot, he's actually not as good as what he is off the dribble. Catch and shoot, he's in the 47th percentile. Wow, so that's a little surprising. Okay. He's 30, 32.1% on catch and shoot shots in the half court and jump shots off the dribble in the half court, 71st percentile, 33%. So slightly, slightly better. Yeah. Interesting. What's he highest at? See, now you got me down the, the rabbit hole. What's what's his highest percentile at? So or, or give me a big he, one that's going to make me smile. I mean, transition. We already knew he was a dangerous yeah, transition. Yeah, he's, he's lethal transition. Eight, 86th percentile. Okay, I'll take that. On cuts, on cuts, he's in the 75th percentile. That's a good which one. Which is another, again, we keep listing off attributes of complementary players. Can you hit spot-up shots? Can you cut to the basket? Can you run out on the break? And can you play defense, which he also rates out in the 61st percentile defensively, which I know you said about there may be some fundamental things that he has to definitely get coached up in, but we know that he at least gives a lot of effort. He tries and he cares. And at the end of the day, if you give the right amount of effort and you meet certain criteria athletically, you're going to end up figuring it out with enough coaching in in the NBA, especially if you, you are smart. On, on both ends of the floor, which Matherin is. So I 
I, I believe in him. Maybe he's not going to be a lockdown defensive guy, but he's going to hold his own on the wing. I, right, I, right. I 100% believe that. So. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think those numbers don't surprise me. The cutting, I wish I mentioned earlier, he's really impressed he's me really as a cutter. He's really good, really good. Um, really quick out of his cuts. Like, he can make guys look foolish, defenders, and then, you know, they throw lobs for him because he lives above the rim. Like, he can get crazy out there. Um, so that, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, a number of times watched him, I was like, oh, that was a great cut. And it, it, it's just awareness and understand how to play the game. And, and I, the defense, I'm telling you, there, there's, there's serious upside there. Um, I've watched him guarding screens, like just the fundamentals of being right on guys' hips. And he's, he's been all over, just been a pest. And it's forced turnovers just because of how close he is and the attention to detail. So I, I if he can make that more consistent, because it, it comes and goes when it's talking about like that sort of a like area, um, he'll have times in the game where he relaxes a little bit defensively. And I don't know if it's just the the star mentality of your team to be like, okay, I'm going to catch my breath and stuff. But when he's locked in and engaged, he can really be a pest. Um, he has those tools. So, yeah, big fan, big big fan. Let's let's move to guy number two. Or you're a big, big fan of as soon as you're done um, chugging that Gatorade away. No, I was going to list them first, but I wanted to shift it. So you already know it's, it's Keegan Murray, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm all in. I mean, I can't get enough stock of Keegan Murray. Give, give your case and finally shut up all of the people yeah. who just refuse to have this. There are some people who even refuse to have it in the lottery. There's some yeah, people this have is... in the 20s. I'm like, what the hell? This is ridiculous, and I'm gonna make. I'm not even gonna scout the draft anymore. I'm just gonna start going to war for Keegan Murray with everyone. Just show, we, show, show up in Iowa. Just yes. with your pitchfork and your and your signs, and yeah, go for we, it. What what's going? We have to do this. Like, what is going on with everyone? Why can't I get everyone to buy in on Keegan Murray? Like every time I watch this guy, I'm like. It, I just feel like I'm an insane person. I, I'm Will Ferrell at the end of Zoolander. Like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like it's just driving me insane. Um, outside of outside of um, against Illinois, the other night, I think it was last night. Yeah, I watched that whole night. game and I wanted to talk about it because out, it was out, it was impressive. I'm telling you right out, now, it was impressive. Outside of that game, this man has been bonkers scoring yes. the basketball for, for quite a while. We know everything else that he brings to the table. I, I, I say outside of last night, he still put up, you know, 21, 22 points, 11 rebounds, and four blocks in that game. Yeah. yeah. The ho-hum ho for, for Keegan Murray, right? But, like, yeah, just just lay it out there because I, I, I agree with you. This, is, this has gotten absurd at this point. I watched that whole game, and it was, like, looking back, it was one of his worst shooting performances in around a month. Um, that's how impressive he's been. And he still finished with 22-11 and four blocks. The shots he missed were not all bad. Um, like, there was a couple forced. Um, one, he threw a pump fake and thought he was getting fouled shooting a three and kind of threw it and then looked right at the ref and it wasn't even close. He had a couple just wide open looks, just didn't go. It, it just happens. And he got cold for a little bit. And then he started taking over when they needed him to. And I was like, this is impressive. He started getting the line, missed a couple bad free throws at the end. And I was like, that's bad. But it was one of the toughest games shooting that I've, I've watched from him all year. 
and he still was 22, 11 and four blocks. And the four blocks were beautiful. Like just rotations, like awesome. I just think this guy has it. Um, I, I, I think this is going to be an absolute steal. Whoever takes him. He just doesn't and, make mistakes. No, I he's just a gamer. He make a mistake. He's a hooper and, and everyone's overthinking it and we're, we're picking him apart and everyone's scared to jump into the deep end and the water's fine. Jump in, like stop being afraid. Just do it because I'm telling you some team is going to have just the biggest smile on their face when they draft him. Um, because of Nathan's tradition of draft deeper being just a crazy deep show with, with some fun stuff, I had to go down a rabbit hole. So 22 of 30 games this year, Nathan, he has scored 20 or more points. That's, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. One of those games, only one of those games has he scored less than 10 points. And it was a, a game they got blown out and he, they were never in it. And he finished with nine points. Every other game he's finished with either double digits or 20 or more points. And, and so, what, mean, and what conference does he play in while doing that? Mr. Rucker. I mean, what else do I need to say, Nathan? I, I'm telling you, I'm in love I'm with saying, this guy. What, what, what conference is he playing in that he's doing that? And he's playing in the big 10. And for my money, I think the Big Ten's been the best conference in any college basketball. Am I wrong about that? Yes, exactly. And everyone was like, well, can he do it when, when conference play comes around? And I'm like, yeah, he's doing it in more right now. So he's so he's averaging 23.3 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 55% from the field, 38% from three, a 37.8 PER in the best conference in college basketball. And we're I listen, listen, I loved hopping on him early in the season when I said that he's the mid-major killer. I want to see what he does in conference play. Like, this this can't just be what he's going into all year long. And he's done it. He's done yeah. it. He hasn't, he, he hasn't slowed down. He has absolutely put up, outside of the ridiculous, uh, he, that, that NCC game where he had, like, 27 points and 21 rebounds, he had, like, the 2020 yeah. game. Like, outside of that one, he's put up the same stat lines across the board. Right. All year long. And he's had a few stinkers. He's had like he's had like three stinkers shooting from the field all year long, but still talking three out of thirty games, he's really struggled from the field. That's it. That's it. That level of consistency is so rare for a college prospect. It's absolutely insane. Someone who is also as young as he is and has legitimate, legitimate NBA upside. We're not talking about like fourth-year senior Dougie McBuckets, like, pouring in and, and having the type of games that this guy is. We're talking about Keegan Murray. So, the, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blown away at this point. There, there, just, there just comes a point, I know you're going to touch on this in a second, there just comes a point where the statistical production outweighs some of the prior biases that you've had. Yes. It, it just, you, you just get to a point. You, you can't ignore it anymore. Every criticism that someone's like thrown at me I, i've been like no that's wrong and i don't do that ever i'm like this is wrong like am i am i just not the one seeing it or is no one else seeing what i'm seeing because like someone will be like well he's too old and i'm like what are you talking about he's not too old like i, I get that he's an older sophomore but when i, I get say it. we're young like yeah he's still young when he gets into the nba so oh, like, for let's, sure let's the breaks. And, and it's like okay yeah so that's a good thing in a weird way like he's going to be able to come help a little bit earlier than you're expecting he's not going to be a 19 year old 
power forward thrown into the wolves. And then I've seen some people be like, he can't create. And I'm like, I'm seeing this guy throw step backs from beyond the arc. I'm seeing him so, take the ball off the dribble, attack the rim. Like I understand those when people are trying to be super specific about creation. I'm like, yeah, but there's serious ability to get where he wants. Like he can be, navigate. Being able to navigate move without the ball and set yourself up and be in the right place in the right time. Those are aspects of creation. Yes, Nathan. People don't talk about. I yes, Nathan. Get it. I'm loving this. Now you like just running just because just just he can't hit step backs like Jason Tatum doesn't mean that he's not as efficient when he gets to the elbow and he's catching it and he's, he's firing every single time or he's, he's getting downhill off that catch at the elbow and he, cause he's able to outmaneuver his opponent any bigger guys that are on him, he has the footwork to get around him, get by him, go to the up and unders, do whatever. Like j- just because his creation doesn't look the same as like Jason Tatum, that doesn't mean that he can't create. So and and that's what I've told Metcalf asked me earlier in the year. He's like, man, what is it? What am it? What am I missing? And I was like, watch him away from the ball. He puts himself strategically in places. Like it's yeah. it's moving to a certain spot on the floor, and it's not. It's not all of a sudden out of nowhere all the time. Sometimes it's just like he understands facing. He understands like where the lapses in the defense are, where people are falling asleep. And then he can suddenly just cut in the smallest window to create that like little flash. Like that's why I keep joking. Like he's boring to watch because you you have to pick up on everything that's so impressive because it's just a little attention to details. But every time I watch him, I'm just absolutely impressed with him i think he has i understand why everyone's hesitant because i joke and say he he's boring like he is boring to watch and and our boy metcalf said he's death by a thousand cuts after he watched him later because he just lulls you to sleep he backs people down he uses hesitations and and body fakes to get them for up and unders but he's showing he can hit deep nba range um and they aren't just all wide open. It's it's him, little jab step, and then all of a sudden just taking one from three feet, four feet beyond the arc. And you're just like, man, like he's just doing this all year. Um, I still think he's got some great footwork. Uh, I just really do. I think this is a guy. And, and I, I'm telling you right now, Nathan, you could tell me I'm crazy. He's six on my board. Um, and, and he's still making a case to go up. I, I, I think this guy has the potential to be a real problem in the nba for 10 years um i I really think this and when i say problem i'm not saying he's gonna average 25 and nine but he might just be this like man keegan murray can play like they got a great one he's gonna be someone that carries them to the playoffs just because he's just such a solid piece um i'm just a really big fan I, i i think a lot of people need to Get in on it too. I, I wish people could see it. it it's fun. I'm very, I, very I, much enjoying it. I think you are I, too. Sounds like you're starting to see it too. What Green do you mean light. starting to see it, Rucker? <laughs> I've been I've been out in, in force with you on social media, like trying yes. to, to to educate people. Like, no, you need you need, you need to watch a little closer. You need to pay attention. Like, I could fully see him averaging. Not maybe not like right out of the gate, but we're talking like by year three, year four, all the way through a bulk of his career. I can hey, see him putting up like like eighteen and nine in the sleep. Yes. If you're putting up eighteen and nine in your sleep, I think a lot of NBA GMs are gonna want to have you on their team. And yes. that's somebody who's going to get paid. 
This dude, it's it, it may not be sexy, but this dude's going to get paid. He's going to make a lot of freaking money in the NBA. If Tobias Harris can make a lot of freaking money in the NBA, I know for a damn fact that Keegan Murray can make a lot of money in the NBA. Not that not that I don't love Tobias. He plays for my hometown 76ers. I, I, I show him some love. He's, he's, he's from Tennessee. He's my girlfriend's favorite player on, on, on the team because of the Tennessee connection. So I, I got to give him some love. But Keegan Murray, he does a lot of the same things that Tobias does. Maybe he's not as good off the dribble, but when you take a look at what Tobias actually does on the floor, specifically for the time that he's been with Philadelphia, Keegan's going to do a lot of those same things. He's going to put up a lot of the same numbers. And you know what? Guys who can do that night in and night out, and they're just rock-solid, two-way, IQ type of players, those guys are going to get paid. Those are the types of players that you want to pick when you're picking six or seven or eight or nine or ten or whatever in the draft. Like, that's the type of player that you want to bring in. And my last point that I'll make before I let you close out on, on Keegan is – I know Jared Butler had a lot of the handle stuff in his bag. I know that he was shifty. He'd break people down. That wasn't one of the main reasons why I was in love with Jared Butler so much right. last year. It was the movement. It was the relocation. It was yes. being in the right place at the right time. It was being willing to lay your body on the line. It was being willing to to screen for others, even if it wasn't like a direct pick and roll. Like, there are so many little things that Jared Butler did on the court. I see Keegan do all of those little things. And I think that when he gets even more space in the NBA, when there's even more of the court opened up for him, I think the passing is going to be there. I think the passing is going to be much better in the NBA than I think it is in college because I think players in the NBA are going to actually understand what he's doing when he's passing the basketball. He's going to be playing with much better talent. And he's going to have more space to kind of get into some of those one, two triple pull-ups. It's not just going to be, he, he's completely shoved into this one part of the court because defense are specifically scheming for him. He's going to have the freedom to move freedom to move around a little bit. And he's going to be able to get to his spots even easier. And once he gets to his spots, he has mastered how to break somebody down from yes. those spots. He is as good of a post-up threat as we have in college basketball. He is deadly from the elbows. Talk about like, Talk about Powell and Carroll and Jabari Smith being deadly from the elbows. In some ways, Keegan Murray is, is just as deadly from yeah. that spot on the floor, from the nail. Um, he's going to be able to hit open spot up threes. He's a trailer big. You're going to be able to go to him in small ball situations, play him at the five, because he's going to keep getting bigger. I, I love his body. The dude's going to be a shit brick house like two to three years from now. Like, just so much versatility. Like, I, 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 I stopped trying to fight it like two months ago. Like, like he's... He, He's going to be a damn good player in the NBA. He's, I wouldn't say he has one of the, the six highest ceilings in this class. I would reserve that for the guys I listed off in front of him. But once you get past my idea of star hunting, there's no one else I would rather have in this draft than, than him. And that's, that, that's just my final piece on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm even, I, I completely agree with you. I'm even warming up to him being one of those stars. I, I really do think there's that type of, like, he's going to get a lot better. And what he can do already, the Jared Butler thing is, is spot on. Like, that's exactly, I felt really high about Jared Butler. I, I was a big fan of him every, every year at Baylor. And he does a lot of things you can't teach. And I think Keegan's in that same conversation. He does a lot of stuff you can't teach. And like you're saying, adding more spacing, 
He's going to keep working on his craft. He is a guy that when you when he gets to his spot and he realizes he's got you, I'll he's tell you a technician. What. I'll tell you what. You know what? A lot of people, myself included, didn't know that Franz Wagner could do half the stuff he could do off the dribble. Everybody thought that he had problems handling the basketball and it didn't really have anything to him. And you know what? He's done so much off the dribble in Orlando. It has shocked the pants off of everybody, my, myself included. I, I did not see this coming from Franz Wagner so early mm-hmm. in his career. And I, I think Keegan's going to be able to benefit in a lot of the same ways that Franz has. Yeah, and, and 100% if he goes to the, the right team, someone's going to be like, oh my gosh, we, we're going to unlock another level of his game. Because yep. I I don't mean to downplay any Iowa fan list, Iowa fans listening, but they have some really bad offense. Um, like they run around sometimes and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then all of a sudden there's five seconds and they just give the ball to Keegan and be like, save us. And he so- does sometimes, but it, it, it really gives me like, I'm pulling out my hair and I don't really have that much hair to pull out anymore, but I'm like, my goodness, because he, he, he does do a lot of saving and he also moves around because he's like, okay, they need me, but they, um, they, they really, they really don't run actions. Much yeah, it's at all. Chaos. I think their whole idea of offense is we're going to try to beat you up the court before your defense is set. Yeah. And a lot of the times, especially in the first half, that's going to work because you just, you don't expect this coming unless you're watching us in depth closely and you've game plan for us. And, and you know that it is, if we're catching you off guard, we're able to get a lot of easy buckets like that. And Keegan to his credit is a major beneficiary to that. As long as he just gets up, gets up the floor, he can run right to the nail or he can run right on the wing and he can get easy open shots like that. They don't have to screen for him or help him get in the position. They don't have to do any of that. When the opposing team catches on to what they're doing and they get back and they run back like Rutgers was when Corey and I saw right, Iowa right. Rutgers. Rutgers set up. They knew exactly what was coming. It was a nightmare for that Iowa team. And to their credit, they still battled back. They hit some impressive shots. Keegan included hit some impressive shots in that game, albeit that was that was one of the games I think he, he struggled from the field a little more than usual. But I think it was because Rutgers was just so prepared to play them defensively. And I think that just comes back to the coaching. It comes back to the, the spacing or, or lack thereof. Yeah, that 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 offense. When I watch them, that sometimes it really looks like a tire fire because they rely on so much pace and, and not enough actual movement, not enough drawn sets. And when Keegan gets into the NBA and he's with a coach who actually knows how to draw up offense, and and that coach, even when Keegan's a rookie, that coach is going to draw up like three, four plays a night at least for Keegan. And Keegan's going to be like holy hell, why didn't I have this in my career sooner? Like, this is amazing. It's going to be like a whole new world for him. Exactly. And I really do think that's going to happen. I, I think someone's going to be like, we're going to run motions in this. And all of a sudden, Keegan's going to be like, how do I have this much space like to, to, to go to work? What are you talking about? Like, he, I don't know. I, I just think the fundamentals, the, the shot, like what he's doing, he's shown some creation off the dribble where he's, he's shown some flashes of like, between legs, step back, where I'm like, if you add that to your bag, oh my goodness. And and he's like done it and it's looks smooth and it's just like in and out. But I'm like, oh gosh, if you if if that's gonna be unlocked in a year, I pray for opposing defenses. So yeah, I'm just a huge fan. I, I really think you know, I got him six and he might end up a a little higher. So that's my and, and, and defensively I'm all 
I'm all into just yeah. kind of like close it out. Like people are like, how, how is he going to operate as like a, as, as a small ball big? Do you trust him as like a backline rip protector when you bring him out in space on a switch? Like, is he just going to be carved up by opposing? I, I trust him fully. I right. trust him 100% to figure it out. I really don't think he's that slow um, laterally. I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to be just fine. So yeah, two way I'm all in. So we've been in agreement two yeah. for two. Two for two. What's might... what, what what what's the next curveball? Okay, I'm gonna go crazy with this one. Everyone in the world should know how I feel about Trevor Keel, so I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna leave him out of this one, um, because I got plenty of time to go back down that rabbit hole. But I'm gonna go with his teammate. Oh Mark, boy, Mark Williams is my guy. I oh. love me some Mark Williams. Oh, that is boy. ACC Defensive Player of the oh, Year, boy. Mark Williams. Oh, boy. Number okay. 15 in your programs, right. number one in your heart. And I All knew right. I was going to piss off Nathan because he had a guy on here that he's going back and forth with. So if you stayed past the Keegan Murray session, you are inning for the grand prize, folks, because now Nathan's about to get ready to go to war. Th- thankfully, a lot of my audience does actually listen to the majority of the podcast here. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're still here. They're, they're intrigued. Yeah, I want you – yeah, please. I – Give, give me the Mark Williams pitch because you know oh, what? Boy. Corey's tried to give it to us all year long. Metcalf is there. Now there. you're there. I've been like, there. I've been there. This is my yeah, boy. Yeah, but I want so one of my guys. I don't know if I'll bring him up on the No Ceilings podcast. I had a feeling I knew you couldn't hold it. You had to say who it was because it's it's a good rivalry because it's 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 brewing. Go one ahead, of my go guys ahead. is Walker Kessler. Yeah, exactly. And I think at the end of the day. I'm much more – I feel much safer projecting Walker Kessler to a long-term NBA role with a team than I do about Mark Williams. And that's not to say that I don't think Mark Williams is a first-rounder, because I do. It's not to say that I'm not buying on into his athletic talent, which I do. Rucker, I, I watch I've, – I've watched so many Duke games this year. I mean, it's, it's Coach K's last season. I, I, I've kind of, like, been a little bit of a Duke fan my, my whole life. I remember watching those, those older teams with my dad when, when I was growing up. That was just kind of a thing in our household. So you knew I was going to be watching anyways. But the fact that they have so many prospects on that team, obviously, but no ceilings, draft deep, we're locked in, baby. I, I just never come away from watching any of those games. And I'm like – you know what, man? Mark Williams was the best player on the floor tonight. You know what? Mark Williams did all of these things that just completely blew me away. Like, damn it, he needs to be a top 20 prospect. Like, I I see some of the highlights. I get some of the things he can do. I know how high the man can jump. I know how much of a vertical lob threat he is. I know how many shots that, that he's blocked in the ACC. I know that he's the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I've just, I've just never been blown away by his technique or how he actually goes about things like like i don't know like tell me why i'm wrong because this is a case i'm i'm absolutely open to coming over to your side i'm open to it because i i've seen all the accolades i see some of the numbers i'm just i'm not there so maybe you can get me there my 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 hot take with mark williams is you you can't watch him and obsess of what does he need to work on to take the next level i think you just gotta like this might be what he is and he might be this at the next level. And that is a lengthy rim protector with 
a, a motor to run the floor, super athletic, smart player that can get after it defensively and and be a force over the boards. I think he's going to be he's going to be like it's not going to be fun to project because all of a sudden you're thinking like, oh, well, can he unlock the shooting? And it's like, no, like Walker Kessler probably has the edge when it comes to projecting like an outside shot because there's flashes there. But I think like Mark Williams could be the missing piece for a lot of teams just because it's low maintenance. He's going to bring it and, and protect the paint and hit the boards. Um, I, I still impressed with what he's shown around the basket. He plays hard. Um, and, and you know, what's really sold me on him. And I know you've watched a couple Duke games. So now you probably understand. I've just watched like three or four games specifically. And it's, it's in crunch time. He kept making plays, whether it's a, a great rotation, um, a big putback, a good offensive rebound. It, it was just like the, the big plays when it was crunch time that I was like, the guy just keeps making plays. And, and that's just kind of pushed the envelope a little bit forward for me. But every time I've, I've watched him, I, I've just been impressed. And I think this is going to be a guy that he just is going to stick. Like if he could go somewhere and doesn't have to be like, I'm, I'm not trying to say he's Deandre Jordan because Deandre Jordan out of college was a freak of nature athlete, but just that type of role where it's like somewhere has the offensive pieces. He's not going to be fed the ball ever and be like, okay, go get us buckets. They're just going to be like, we have bucket getters just go destroy the boards and make an impact defensively. I think that's where he'll really thrive. And um, I, I think he's a first-round pick, but if he went to a playoff team, it would be a huge boost. Um, I feel like I've done a mock with you, and we like projected him to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that would be a very nasty combination if Mark Williams was on oh, the yeah. floor with Giannis. So that's what I'm trying to say is like I'm buying into him being that type of player. Um, even like we've done one with the Charlotte Hornets getting him. Like he would be a great impact there. Um, I just. I've been sold. Uh, I really have. Even beginning of the year when he played that Gonzaga game, you could argue he was the best player on the court. Uh, I'm being dead serious. If you watch that game, Mark Williams is all over the damn court. I mean, he's making plays both sides. He's running the transition, throwing down huge dunks. He's shown some soft hands in that game. I've, I've just been a buyer of the potential sliding into a nice role as kind of like a five with size and length that can be a really strong rim protector. I think that's important. Oh man, I've never gotten Nathan speechless. This is like a trophy. I, I almost need to put this up in like my, I got to figure out a good place to put a trophy, but yeah, I mean, I've never gotten you speechless. You're really struggling with this one. He's in I the did one it, folks. He's in the one. He's in the one hundredth percentile offensively. So yeah, no like, shit. He's my guy. Why do you th do you think I pick losers? I pick guys that just get after it. I know what I'm doing, folks. One hundred million dollars <laughs> in transition. He's ninety-one percent from the field on cuts. He's ninety percent from the field. You know what I'm thinking, Nathan? You're wanting him to be 18 and 13 a game. 
I think Mark Williams might be a damn good 10 and 11 well, a game. Well, you know what? He's When you put up his per 40-minute numbers, he's damn close to that. 19.6, 12.7, and 5. No, but and, and I'm saying everyone's just not drooling over like, oh, it's a big man that's big and he catches dunks. And But I'm like, yeah, he's also putting up some heck of a performances and he's not getting the ball in that offense a ton. Like, he, he you know, his role, Paulo's getting the ball or AJ's getting the ball and then Mark's just grinding. I mean, he's, he's grabbing his lunch pail and just punching the clock. And, and I, I just have a lot of, I have a weakness for those guys. Like those guys here's, are the ones that are going to keep bringing it. Even when they're not winning a game, they're going to keep bringing it. Here's, here's why I've left the door open. Okay. So, I listened to a redraft podcast that Sam Vecini and Seth Partnow did. Shout out, Sam. Seth Partnow had the fifth pick in that redraft. And I I, I can't remember the year for the life of me. Like all these drafts just blend together. But he had the fifth pick in it. And the class that they did, he took Daniel Gafford with the fifth pick. And I was sitting there. I, I was listening to this on my way to one of the Rutgers games that Corey and I went to. I'm trying to, like, get in the mood, listen to a good basketball podcast. I'm trying to get pumped up. And he took Daniel Gafford fifth, and I was like, why the fuck did he take Daniel Gafford fifth? 2019, I, I, that is. So, 20, wow. right, so 2019. So I have all the players who were available in the 2019 draft. He took Daniel Gafford fifth. Knowing some of the issues that he's dealt with with the asthma and the fact that he's probably not going to be like a 30, 32 minutes a night center in the league, but because in the 20 to 22 minutes he gives you, which is what Mark Williams is playing at Duke. Mark Williams is playing 22.4 minutes per game at Duke. He is so incredibly effective with what he can do. He's so athletic. He has the size, the leg. Mark Williams is what? He's seven foot. What is he? Does he have a seven six wingspan? I think it's up like there, that. and he's about two forty. So he has the physical tools. He's hyper efficient finishing around the basket. And if you're see that this is what falls apart too in some big men cases is that people want to scout and project some of these big men as like the, these rim runner fives who we know will thrive in, in NBA systems because of what they can bring defensively, but also what they think they can do offensively. You have to be incredibly efficient as a half-court finisher to essentially thrive as a big man in the NBA nowadays if you can't shoot a lick from the free-throw line and beyond. And Mark Williams ha- actually has pretty decent touch from the foul line. I'll give him credit. He's almost 75% from the line. Maybe that becomes a part of his game inside the arc. He can hit some of those mid-range jumpers. I don't know. Right now it's not in his bag. But – if I'm going to put you in the territory of that type of center, you got to be like a Daniel Gafford who's like 70 plus percent from the field because everything he's getting is at the rim. You have to be a Robert Williams on your Celtics. Shout out Robert Williams, who's just a hyper efficient finisher at the basket. If that's the type of big man you're going to be, you got to have the numbers to back it up. And those big men are valuable, but the production has to be there. And I leave the door open. This might be one of the last minute adjustments I make before I do my big board podcast on Wednesday. I might shove this man into the top 20 because I've left the door open. And when you look at the production, it's there. I guess my biggest criticism with Mark Williams, and maybe it's not a fair one because I've kind of taken this and used it as a counter argument 
on multiple occasions with people that argue about size of a big man and if they're actually equipped to deal with the Joel Embiid's of the world and Nikola Jokic's of the right, world. Right, right, right. Guys which, like that. I've, I've used it as a counter argument. Which no one can, so let's let's throw that out. No, go ahead. <laughs> no one can stop Joel Embiid. Jeez. I I have seen quite a few number of guys go into the body of Mark Williams and, and finish through him this year in college. I think that is a legitimate concern when we talk about how good of a rim protector is he. You don't you don't see that from Daniel Gafford. You don't see that all the time from Time Lord. I think that that is a part of Mark Williams. Like Mark Williams has to figure out how to not let everybody go into his body and finish through him unless you are like one of the better big men in, in the NBA. Like yeah, I'm never going to use that as uh, a crutch. Like, if you're Joel and being Nikola Jokic, you're dropping 30 on anybody. Like, who yeah. gives a crap how good of a job you can do on those guys? It's about it's about the 26, 25 to 26 other starting centers in right. the NBA. What can you do on them? Mark Williams can hold his own. He can step out. He can even block shots on the perimeter. He can hold his own on switches. He's probably the perfect big man for drop coverage in the NBA nowadays. I guess that's really the only thing that concerns me on the defensive end and then offensively if teams are able to guard him and take away his ability to slip to the basket and finish on lobs what else can he do offensively those are my two concerns no 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 and i completely get it um the body thing is definitely notable um that ain't gonna last or else you're gonna have to figure that out in a hurry you know what just sells me on him is he he just seems like he's playing so damn hard all the time. Like if he's making a mistake, he's going 110%. I agree. Um, and, and I don't mean this to sound bad, but because who I'm going to say has shown flashes of playing his ass off this year. But like if Jalen Duran was playing as hard as Mark Williams all year, I think I would be absolutely drooling over him like Corey is. So like, I, I just am a sucker for Mark Williams because like, I would rather have a guy make a mistake going full speed and you see him fly up the court. You see him, just close weak side for a big block. Like he he's going all over the place. He's when he gets the ball around the rim, he's going up with bad intentions. It's not going soft. Like he's trying to dunk and send a message every time. So I just am a sucker for that. I think there's plenty of, of upside with his game. I understand that the modern big man, everyone's kind of drooling over like Embiid and Jokic. And it's like, okay, you could give them the ball and they can do all these different types of weapons. And it's like, those don't, come around every often like those are generational type of talents so i'm talking about mark williams being this type of you know i still think robert williams has way better playmaking and vision and stuff that he can do but just like that type of impact where it's like you could bring him in and let him groom the rest of his game but he he can stand out with his defense he can stand out with his rim protecting and stuff like that but i'm right there with you i i I think I feel good. I feel like you had a little bit of a therapy session and we talked out your Mark Williams frustration and now you're kind of like, okay, he just needs to work on this. So yeah. I'm going to say I'm 30 for three. I'm okay. We got you. I'm going you know, to end up putting him in my top 20 and I'm going to hate it. No, you're not. You're not going to hate it. I'm here to help you. I'm telling you, you're not going to hate it. Come on. And every, every, and, and Sam Vecini, I know you said shout out to Sam. He's also a, a massive Mark Williams fan. Like I think, That's I think because he has we're smart. That's because we're smart, Nathan. Join right, the smart fine. guys. All right, all right, fine. Three for three. Who's, who's the last guy? Last one. I'm getting a little out there, and I think I'm getting Nathan around on this guy too, and that was not my goal. But Jalen Williams, the junior guard of Santa Clara. 
I am putting a bat signal up in the sky and warning everyone that this could be a super sleeper. Um, Young Junior, he is going to scare people because he's at Santa Clara, but if you watch Jalen Williams, I think it's not going to take long before you really, really become a fan. Um, Like I said, 6'6", but he has handles. He has shiftiness, and he can get hot quickly and score from three levels. I, I really have been impressed with his game. I think he plays with some great pace. You know, it, it's just one of these weird situations where you find a guy, you start watching him, and then you can't turn it off. And then you go back and you watch him, and you have the same realization. And that's what's happening with Jalen Williams for me. Um, I thought beginning of the year he was probably going to need some luck to become like a, a really solid second round pick. I think he was kind of trending towards being right on that fence and he's just kept producing. He's, he's put up some big games against some really tough opponents. And I, I I just really, the more you watch him, I I think this guy has a shot to be a second round steal. Um, and, and, and the guy battles defensively too. Like there's just a lot that's my, I cool. think that's my favorite thing about him. Yeah. And I, I put out that tweet about it. If you're just, if you're a sicko like us and you're looking for a good time, go, go flip on the synergy or the instat or whatever you got and just watch Jalen Williams pick and roll defense. Yeah. Because he, he gets through every single screen. He stays with his man. He contests the shot. He is, he is so good in pick and roll defense. And you know what? That's one of the most important aspects right. to the NBA is playing out of the pick and roll and guarding the pick and roll. And if you have somebody who can fight through screens, he, he's big enough, he's strong enough to, he's competitive, he wants to make a play on the ball, he wants to stick with his man, that says a lot to me. And I actually, I don't know if he's going to be a great NBA defender. We're talking about a second-round pick, but I think he can be a good, good NBA defender. And – for somebody who we're probably projecting in the back end of the second half, maybe a little higher. Like I'm probably thinking like 45 to 60 range, somewhere in there. We're talking about getting pretty good value, especially right. when you throw in everything he can do offensively. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do think that that range is realistic for him. Um, I've even kind of almost fancied with the idea of moving him up to like the higher 40 range. I, I just think that would be a guy that he's shown too many flashes and, and real solid play in a number of areas. Um, and he's got the production to back it up. You know, I said, he's a junior. If you go black and look at his numbers, he played last year and I think Santa Clara, um, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on this. Santa Clara had a weird situation with the pandemic and everything. They kind of had to play like all over the place. I think they might've been spent some time in Santa Cruz and it was a weird year. So if you look back, you look at his numbers, he had like 11.5 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.2 steals. Um, and he shot 39% from the field and 27% from the three. So you're like, Oh boy. But this year he's up to 18.1 points, um, 4.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.1 steals. He's shooting 52% from the field and 41% from three. And I think one of my favorite parts about his game is 
when he gets hot, he gets hot and, and they're not yep. forced shots. He knows how to navigate to get to his spots. He understands how to make the defense react to him and then picks them apart. Um, but I also watched the game and I believe it was the last, yeah, it was the last time they're going to play, you know, obviously we're recording this on a Monday. They're playing St. Mary's tonight, which I'm excited to watch because I think that's the last chance he's going to have potentially to make a big statement. Um, and the last time they played St. Mary's, I watched that whole game and he was so damn impressive because he ended up having 18, um, 18 points, two rebounds and 10 assists. But he showed so much damn patience to, to make these assists and his playmaking was just beautiful. And he had a teammate that was on a heater and he was like, making guys react to him to feed his teammate. It was just awesome. Like they had a big stop on defense. He got the ball, brought it to the middle, like kind of sealed the guy off and then just threw like a dump right back to his teammate. And his teammate hit a transition three, but it was like after his teammate hit a couple buckets and he was like getting on a heater. And I just love when guys like recognize like, okay, my, my guy's in a, in a role. He's, he's on a little bit of a rhythm right now. Let's feed him. But the whole game, it was just like pick and roll dimes. It, it was just good vision back doors. It, he was just all over the place. And then when he got his shots and they were good shots, he took them. He took advantage of it. So I just really think this is um, this could be a name to watch for. I, I wouldn't be surprised if throughout the pre-draft workouts, if maybe this is one that's buzzing a little bit that keeps sneaking up into the earlier portion of the second round because uh, you know six six with the ability to handle it and playmaking ability and multiple level scoring yeah i'm a fan nathan i'm a fan do you love what he does around the basket yeah i mean he's shown some really nice touch i, I think when you know when i talk about around the basket i know people are talking like specifically finishing at the rim but i also think like the intention to go down to finish at the rim and then also reacting to at the last second stop on a dime and throw a floater like i i consider that part of his game and and i really do think he's got some really soft touch um when it comes to his floater he's shown some nice flashes around the basket um when it comes to like adjusting midair and finishing on the other side of the hoop or craftiness where it's like the last second kind of hesitation to to finish away from the shot blocker so like i've seen those flashes but um i haven't looked at like the percentile so if you're gonna hit me with some knowledge hit me with some knowledge um, i'm not um okay. i i'm not in love with everything he yeah does around the basket i think that only comes back to the fact that he's he's six six he's got he's got size to him but he's he's a little ground bound Right, right, right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not a vertical guy. So I think some of those crafty flippity doodahs that he tries to go to every now and then, I don't know. I, I don't know how many of those are going to go in at the end right, of the right. He's going up against better defenders. Do you remember, do you remember Mieoni? Yeah. From, uh, from what's the, uh, not Princeton. What's, uh, so he was, he, Yale. He was from Yale. Yeah, yeah. See, one of those smart schools. So Mieoni was drafted. Um, to Utah, right? Or I don't know if he got he might have got traded to Utah, but I don't know. So he was he was a 58th overall right? pick. Yes, he ended up with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Inside the arc, I see a lot of similarities between those two. 
Interesting. Uh, they're, they're, they're both basically the same size. Like Jalen Williams is 6'6". Six, six. Mia Odi, I, I could have sworn he was also 6'6". Six, six. I think maybe the NBA is like, nah, we caught you. You're actually 6'5". Either <laughs> way, they're, 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 pretty, they're pretty similar players. They have good length to them. But Mia Odi's also not a spectacular athlete. He's mm-hmm. a little groundbound, and he has, he has struggled to finish around the basket in virtually any capacity. Right. In his very short NBA career so far, and that's really why he hasn't been able to get on the floor because when he does get on the floor and he's able to make his bones on the defensive end, he's actually not bad on the defensive end. The other big problem, and where I see the comparison breaking between the two of them, so they're both, like I said, they're both similar size guards. I, I struggle to come around on their finishing because of some of their athletic deficiencies, but they can both make reads and make plays for others. Jalen Williams is so much better of a shooter than him. Yeah. They're, they're not even the same stratosphere in terms of shooting. And Mione wasn't a bad college shooter, but right, Jalen right, right. Williams, Jalen Williams is in the 98th percentile in catch and shoot shots. That's the difference. So all of the other struggles that I outline, I know I'm going to get the defense from him. And I know that even if he does become more limited in the NBA, he's not doing the same things off the bounce that he's done at Santa Clara. I know for a fact he's good. That boy is ready off the catch, and he's going to be able to nail somewhere, somewhere like thirty-seven to thirty-nine percent of his threes, most likely in the NBA. I'm actually pretty confident in that. And guys who are, even though they might be limited off the dribble. If you can hit three open threes like that, you have a place in the league. Maybe you're right. not a starter. Maybe you're like an eighth or a ninth man for an NBA team. But that's that to me is what really separates those two as prospects. Again, both you know mid to late second rounders is probably what we're looking at. That's what gives Jalen Williams a big chance in my eyes to succeed in the NBA, and and I'm gonna buy into that. Like right. I. It, when it's all said and done, I'm going to have that guy in that 45 to, to 50 range somewhere in there. And he's yeah. somebody who I didn't even have on my board last time. But again, that comes back to what I've said to you previously. If I get the time to actually sit down and study these guys, my opinions can change. I can't, oh, for sure. I can't, I, I can't see 200 prospects within the first two months of the season. It's just not going to happen. But, but <laughs> not possible. Now, now, well, not, 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 not with my day job, but <laughs> now, now that we're in, now that we're in the thick of March, I, I have some more time on my hands. I've seen enough of the top guys. I can kind of eliminate, you know, the top 30 from, I need to watch this guy X amount of times. I've seen these guys enough. Like it's time to focus on 31 through, I don't know, 90, 100, the more the back end of, of where I want to set my sights on. And Jalen Williams was already one of those guys who had my attention because of your awesome piece that you wrote at No Ceilings Thank a month you. ago. And I'm in. I'm I'm absolutely in the shooting. The shooting to me is what's going to save him. The shooting's really going to swing um, because he's got a nice shot, and he also knows how to get to different spots on the floor to use it. Like he's shown some nice mid-range ability. It's just smooth. It's not fancy. Um, he can pull up on a dime, and and you know, we call it the Sean Livingston effect, where it's like getting to your spots where you know you can succeed and. He also can stretch the defense from really deep. And when he takes, when he gets a couple of buckets going, it, it could swing a game quick. Like that's the type of shooter he is. He can get rolling from deep and, you know, the catch and shoot. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause he really, he's, he's got that Keegan Murray vibes where he's like, I can strategically put that my man is in a lethal. good spot. 
it's repeatable. Yep. He has such a pretty stroke. Yeah. So, um, that's a big one. If you haven't watched him, he's really fun. And I really do think there's a, I think that's a serious sleeper that could like Nathan saying, if he could keep doing what he's doing at, even at the next level, he will stick in a hurry because he has too many good, you know, skills in his game. And the defense too is intriguing. And I think there's just a good basketball player there um, that could, that could do a lot of good stuff on it. I, I think the what, finishing what, around what the rim is true. What? What, what, what do NBA coaches want off the bench? You got size for yep. in the backcourt check. Can you hit open shots? Check. Can you defend your position? Check. All right. Yeah. And can you keep the ball moving and not get yourself in trouble? Right. Check. Or make plays for others. And can you not be a uh, disaster out there? Can you just make the team better? Yeah. Check. I mean, he, he's checking boxes left and right. So get on the Santa Clara train if you haven't. And if not, just take a, take a deep dive and, and, and watch Jalen Williams. I, I really do think that's a guy that could uh, be buzzing and be underrated throughout the uh, combine and workouts, you know? All it takes is him getting a a good interview process and sizzling. So scale of scale of one to ten, how much did I catch you off guard when I said Mioni? Um, eight, just because I kind (laughs) of had to like run. I had like the matrix going on in my head of like running through my entire database of like previous drafts, and I was like, wait, yeah, no, okay, yeah. I I I remember hearing scouts talk about him i remember going to lehigh which is in my neck of the woods and actually scouting tj mccollum those are some those are some some great times those are some some great times i i I miss those thankfully i've gotten to relive some of those days here in ocillons i've had i've had a lot of fun at the Rutgers game so shout out for for make giving us a warm welcome Corey and i this year but that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast and Tyler, I appreciated having you on and getting into your head a little bit. You, you, you bringing me around to some of your points of view and you, you, you thought we'd be arguing on this podcast. We didn't argue. No, we no, really, we never really didn't argue. Yeah. So it, it's coming. Don't worry. It's, it's, it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. I unfortunately but, need to still be friends with all of you after uh, July. So right. we'll see. But, but this is, this is your part of the show. Go ahead, plug it every time you're on. Well, most importantly, Nathan, thank you for having me on to do this because I know, you know, you wrote your piece, but tomorrow I'm very excited to record the No Ceilings with you and we're going to we're going to focus on you, big guy. So, thank you for letting me shine some light. But um I'm at noceilingsmba.com. Plenty of draft content is on the way, folks. I promise things are going to start getting interesting this week, next week and every week after that. Um we're we're preparing for battle. It's going to be a fun. By, by the time they've heard this podcast, that's a good they, point. They may or may not have woken up to quite a shocking surprise. Yeah, we might have a couple ten day guys, or even longer than that. But yeah, cause some some big news coming. Um, we're excited about it. Very very pumped, and um, we're gonna have some big news next week too. So. Nathan, as always, I love doing the draft deeper. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And, um, oh, most importantly, also, I'm back at Backcourt V. The legend is back. So if you want to follow me on Twitter. Great. We get get you retweeting everything from, like, three different (laughs) accounts. Yeah, I'm I'm back. I'm going to – but, hey, moving forward, I'm going to probably shift that to a new direction. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And um, 
yeah, most importantly, thanks as always, Nathan. I'm, I'm pumped for the next couple of months. We're going to have some fun on this. And thank you to everybody out there listening to the Draft Deeper podcast. In case you haven't already, please go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Draft Deeper and make sure, as we said, you subscribe to the Substack, NoSealingsNBA.com. Very simple to find. You get draft content Monday through Friday. We're going to keep that rolling all the way through till the draft. I will promise to diversify some of the content on there a little bit. I've already said to some of the guys, I plan on doing some more rookie and sophomore writing as we, we get down the stretch to, to just keep things fresh. There's, there's only so many ways you can skin a cat, right? That's, that's one of the expressions yes. Yes. That, that people, people even older than me have used, but there's only so many ways we can talk about some of these draft prospects and we want to save some of those thoughts for big content that we have coming in the not so far future when you really think about it. So right. I want to, Want to do want to do some NBA writing a little bit, and then we'll we'll get into playoffs. We'll have so much coverage of everything basketball. It's going to be great. So continue to stay with us at No Ceilings. Stay with me at Draft Deeper, and thank you all again for your time. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.